Hello, and welcome to the Count Bread Podcast. My name is Lou, my pronouns are they, them, and I'm very excited to welcome you to this week's episode. Today's segments will be FOs, whips, brainstorming, and something extra. Alrighty, it has been a while since I last recorded. As I uh, noted in the show notes from the last episode that went up, that was recorded back in January before I moved, and things have been pretty chaotic since then, but I'm really happy to be recording a new up-to-date episode for you. So let's go ahead and get started with my FOs. Okay, so I have made myself two pairs of joggers since we last spoke, and I used the comfy pants pattern from Joanne that I've mentioned at least once before on the podcast that I've used in the past to make pajama pants. So this it's a free pattern and it's got a couple different options for length and pretty good instructions. I don't I don't know that I would recommend them for your like absolute first pants sewing project, but if you kind of have an idea of how pants are supposed to go together, the instructions are perfectly serviceable. And I actually followed the instructions for the first time while I was making these two pairs of joggers. Uh, I actually put in the pockets, that sort of thing, which I hadn't done in the past for the pajama pants. And I'm really happy with how they turned out. The fabric I used was a flat sheet that you know came with the set that I currently use on my bed. And I don't I don't ever use the flat sheet because I prefer to just have you know the fitted sheet and a duvet. So that's free real estate for my sewing projects. So it's they're super super comfortable. I'm wearing one of <laughs> I'm wearing one of the pairs right now as I record. Um, they're like a jersey knit kind of material. They're pretty lightweight. So I think that they'll be nice to have in the next few months as things get a little warmer. So the first pair that I made, I did do machine sewn buttonholes because I finally have a a buttonhole foot for my machine and I was really excited to try it out. And I very quickly learned that stretchy knits are not necessarily the best way to learn how to use your machine buttonhole foot. So I did a ton of practice buttonholes on some scrap fabric and it was like one in 10 would be kind of okay. I'm honestly not 100% sure what the problem was still. Like I don't feel like I've really mastered my buttonhole foot and troubleshooting and all of that. Uh, But I did manage to get two that looked nice and were in the right spot on the waistband. So I called that good enough and I'll be doing some more experimenting with some woven fabrics and hopefully get a better handle on the foot. And for the second pair, I ended up just hand sewing the buttonholes because I've done that in the past and it just felt like it would be easier in this case. And honestly, they kind of turned out wonky. So I might be going back and re-stitching over them and trying to make them a little neater and a little firmer. But for joggers that I'm just going to wear around the house, it's totally fine. That is all that I have finished since the last episode, so let's move into whips. Alright, so big news for all of the Toronto Afghan stands out there. I've been working on it. I <laughs> They said it couldn't be done, they being me, but I finally have gotten back to it. I am now up to 10 completed squares, and four of them have their ends woven in even. And I did a little assessment when I 
got to 10 squares and, you know, I weighed all my squares and my remaining maroon yarn and, you know, trying to figure out where I was at. So the context for this project is that I had some black worsted weight acrylic that was left over from a couple different projects. And then in order to use up the black yarn, I bought some Lion Brand Pound of Love in this really cool kind of almost heathered looking maroon with some darker almost black tones in it. I you know they went really well together. And then after we broke up, I was like, okay, I'm not making this project anymore. And that is why I was looking at making the terrazzo afghan. So I have pretty decent amount of black yarn, but just this one skein of the maroon. So after weighing the 10 squares and weighing the maroon that was that was left, I did some math and I've got enough maroon yarn to do 42 squares. It's really like 43 and a quarter, but we're going to say 42 because that will make a rectangle and it's good to have a little bit of wiggle room in my planning. So this is going to turn out to be a little bit smaller of a blanket than I normally make, but I think that the blankets that I normally make are kind of big, so I think it'll be fine. Um, and you know, I'll be able, I'm, I'm pretty confident that I'll be able to get all of the joining and some kind of border done with the black yarn. But I'm also not that worried about it because it's not going to be a big deal to get a smaller skein of black worsted weed acrylic that I can use to finish finish it up if I need, as opposed to the Lion Brand Pound of Love. You're buying that a pound at a time. So that product is coming along. Square 11 is about halfway done. I was working on it for a bit last night. And yeah, it's not the most portable just because the because the skeins of yarn are large and a little unwieldy, but I am determined to keep it a work in progress and not let it become an unfinished object. Even so, I needed something that was a little bit easier to carry around and a little bit more mindless because with the mosaic overlay pattern, I really do need to kind of pay attention to what I'm doing and count my stitches and make sure I'm doing the pattern correctly. So I needed something that was a little more autopilot and ideally knitting. Uh, just for the you know the variety of it. I have the feeling, and I don't think that this is objectively accurate, but I have the feeling that I've had a lot of issues with my knitting recently, which, you know, going back and looking at what I've made in the past few months, I know, you know, I made a bunch of hats for charity and I made a sweater for my mom and a sweater for myself not that long ago. And most of the projects that I've made, I've really loved. But I feel, you know, emotionally, I feel like I've been casting things on and frogging them and not, not really being happy. And like, I've not really been happy with my knitting recently. So I wanted to cast on something that, that felt like a guaranteed win. So I've gone back to a pattern that I've made twice before, which is the Moonset Tea by Ozetta. And I made one of these in the spring of 2022 to wear to my brother's wedding out of uh, Knit Picks Lindy Chain, which is Cotton Linen Blend. And I made another one last summer out of uh, Euroflax, the 100% Linen. And I really like the pattern. I like how it looks on me. And I felt very confident that I would be able to pull this off and not end up having to frog it and be disappointed again. So I have gotten out my Knit Picks Stroll in 
a blue colorway that I don't remember the name of, which I frogged a while back from the very first sweater that I ever knit, which was a flax. So it had, it had kind of a special place in my heart, but I really couldn't handle the high neckline in the front because that pattern, which is, you know, a really, you know, nice, it's a classic her sweater pattern. It's free. It's got a bajillion sizes, but it does not have you any type of shaping to get the front neckline lower than the back. So I always kind of felt like it was choking me. And especially after I had top surgery, the, the fit just wasn't working for me anymore. So I got frogged. So I have a few kind of large skeins and then a bunch of little bits as happens when you frog a sweater. And my plan for this is to follow the moonset tee pattern and then just make the sleeves longer. Ozetta does have a moonset pullover pattern, which is, which is sort of the end product that I'm aiming for, but that one was written for DK weight yarn. So it seemed kind of silly to buy a different pattern that I was going to have to do math, gauge math for anyway, when I can just follow the pattern that I already have and know and just make the sleeves longer on my own. So that's the plan for that. And it was kind of nice because right at the beginning, you do a long tail cast on and then immediately break your yarn. And I had, I had this little, you know, a little gram or two of yarn that was essentially the perfect length for the long tail cast on. And I don't know, it just felt very satisfying to be able to use that little bit. So I've been chugging along on this. I've gotten all the short rows done as of last night. And now I'm at the part where I just need to knit straight stockinette for about four more inches. So plenty of autopilot knitting there, which is, as I said, exactly what I needed. So I'm really happy with that and cautiously optimistic that I'll have a successful knitting project coming up. Okay. So let's move into brainstorming. And as I, I think I mentioned in the last episode that my kind of energy and my motivation to be working on projects has been kind of crappy lately. And that's still sort of the case, but I feel like it's coming back a little bit. So I took some time last weekend and sort of updated all of my information on Ravelry, which I had kind of let lapse since the summer of 2020 when the redesign happened and all of the issues that came with that. And it didn't really feel right to be like on the platform and supporting them through all of that. But since then, I found you know, I'm still on Ravelry all the time because there unfortunately just is not a better option for searching through a database of almost every knitting and crochet pattern that's out there. And at this point, I decided that I wanted to just have all my information in one place and not have, because I had, I had sort of been keeping notes on Notion, but I sort of let that go because it wasn't really ideal. And in any case, I decided to go through and enter projects that I've made over the past few years into Ravelry and update the yarn that I have and get those records in order to make it easier when I'm for when I'm looking for different projects that I might want to do to use up my yarn. So I'll leave a link in the show notes to my project notebook if you're interested in looking at that and seeing a little bit more detailed information about projects that I've talked about on the podcast, as well as stuff that I made a really long time ago. Please don't judge me. And as part of that, I, like I said, I updated 
my yarn quantities and was looking and was looking through my favorites and trying to figure out what I might be excited to work on next. So I have a couple of winter accessories that I've wanted to make and I was you know looking at back in the fall and I'm trying to decide if it makes sense to start them now coming towards the end of February or if I might want to focus on warmer weather projects that I'll be able to enjoy for the whole summer and do these winter accessories later in the year. So the two patterns in particular that I've been looking at are The Pop by Esther Romo and Millet by Isolde Teague. So The Pop is a sort of collar, dicky hood, you know, in that kind of nebulous category. So it's basically is like a hoodie, but there's no sleeves and no side seams and it doesn't go all the way down. And it's made using brioche and I think it looks really cool and I think it would be fun to wear as a layer kind of under under a jacket and you know have the option to pull the hood up and I think it would be cool. And I was specifically looking at this after I frogged my birdie cowl and I was trying to figure out what else I might like to do with that yarn. And this pattern is written for one color brioche. And I've been trying to research, but I haven't fully wrapped my head around if there's an actual structural difference between one color and two color brioche. So I'm not sure if I would try to knit this whole pattern in two color brioche instead of one color, or if I would maybe do the hood in one of my arms and the kind of chest and back piece in the other, which I think also could look cool but I haven't really decided what I want to do about that. And like I said, we're kind of rapidly, rapidly approaching the point where, where a wool hood is not going to be the most useful item. And the same goes for Millet, which I feel like I kind of pronounce differently every time I try to say it. And perhaps I should just look up how to pronounce it correctly. I've done some Googling and it looks like this word is pronounced Millet or something like that in Latvian. Um, my apologies to the people of Latvia. In any case, the pattern is for colorwork mittens that are inspired by sort of Scandinavian and Baltic patterns. I think they're really beautiful and I sort of have a notion of what yarn I have that I would want to use to make them. It's just a matter of if I make them now or in a few months. In terms of the warmer weather patterns I've been looking at, uh, these will probably sound familiar if you've listened to older episodes of the podcast because I've been talking about them since genuinely episode one. And that is Sonnenstunden by Evgenia Duplis and Moonless by Jacqueline Seaslack. So these are both patterns that I'm looking at to use the Barocco Remix Light that I originally purchased to make the Blank Slate Tea and then ended up frogging it. So I have two skeins of teal and one skein of a dark gray. And my one hesitation for Sonnenstunden is that I, I really just, I need to sit down and swatch with that yarn and the stitch pattern to make sure that it shows up. I'm just not sure if it, if the kind of seed stitch will, details will really read with the Remix Light because it's 
sort of heathered, almost tweedy with all of the different fibers that are incorporated. So I, I just need to swatch and then decide if I want to make that or if I need to find something where the texture stitch is not the, meant to be the focus. The Moonless, I think, you know, knock on wood, should be a slam dunk. So that might be, that might be cast on in the next few weeks so that I can have it for the summer. And then I have two other patterns that I just started looking at in the past day or two. I have kind of a burst of, of energy to try to do some brainstorming. So the first is the Alvar Pullover by Sari Nordland, who is a Finnish designer with just so many gorgeous patterns. I spent a long time scrolling through all of her all of her stuff last night and most of it I would say are not patterns that I would knit for myself like they're just not my personal style but just looking at them as almost as art pieces I was like wow that's really gorgeous but the Alvar pullover I think I really would like to wear the pattern calls for DK weight yarn and I would like ideally to knit it in fingering weight instead and there are plenty of sizes, so it would not be an issue to, you know, pick a different stitch count that would work with my gauge. But I am trying to figure out if I have enough yarn to do that with. So I'm thinking of using, you know, one of my sweater quantities of Knit Picks palette. And I have a sort of maroon raspberry color. I think it's called Lingonberry. And I have five skeins of that. And then I have six skeins of turmeric and I would like to make it in the lingonberry but I'm not I'm not quite sure if five skeins will be enough so that, that's another case where I, I kind of need to just do some math and some some figuring to decide if I have enough yarn oh and the pattern itself is kind of a Gansey style uh, drop shoulder sweater with a bunch of just knit pearl texture patterns all over it and like I said, it's just really, and I think I would wear it a ton. And then the other pattern that I'm looking at, I was thinking of for the three skeins of Cascade cotton socks that I have, where I was originally thinking some sort of warm weather top situation, but I thought it might be fun to try to knit a pair of joggers. So I was looking at the tan line joggers by Brianna Lupino which are the right gauge, the fit that I like, uh, <laughs> theoretically should work really well for this. And I think I definitely prefer having cotton-based joggers rather than wool. So I think that these could be a really good option for that. So a lot of different patterns on my mind and just, you know, trying to figure out what makes the most sense to cast on in the near-ish future. Okay, so for something extra, I wanted to talk about a few knitting YouTube channels that I've been watching lately and really enjoying. So the first one I've actually been watching for quite a while now. I didn't realize until the other day, but I've been watching since uh, mid-2022, and that is Retro Claude. And she has a pretty wide variety of videos sort of in the backlog of her channel, some vintage knitting, vintage sewing, more historical sewing. And the series, which is why 
I started following her, which is her uh, stash busting series that she's been working on for about a year and a half and posting usually monthly updates. And I really love, I really love watching her videos. They're super relaxing and have just a good energy to them. And she is kind of going through a rough time right now in terms of her health and financially. So if you wanted to go, you know, throw some views, get her a little more ad revenue, uh, that would be a great thing. So I will link the stash busting compilation video that she posted recently, which is six hours long and just a real treat. Uh, so I would highly encourage you to check that out. And then more recently, I, you know, just got recommended by, by the YouTube algorithm and all of its mysteries, the pretty new channel knit by Jingyi. And she has four videos so far, which are about an hour long each. And they're, they're uh, kind of structured more as podcast episodes. I haven't watched a lot of video podcasts in the past, but I've really been enjoying Jingyi's videos. And then lastly, just in the past couple of weeks, I, again, just at the mercy of the algorithm was recommended a video by Sagey Fields, who right now is posting pretty much weekly uh, podcast episodes. Honestly, I find, <laughs> I find her output sort of astonishing. She has a lot to talk about every single week. It's very impressive to me, but again, the, just the vibes and the energy of her videos are so warm and happy. And she starts every episode with a little dance montage at the beginning. Like I feel, you know, I feel like you kind of sit down and you're meet like, okay, this is going to be a good time. So she does a lot of Japanese knitting patterns. She's, I think she's Dutch. She lives in the Netherlands, but she studied in Japan. And so she has a lot of like pattern books and sometimes she uses like Japanese yarns, which is really cool just in terms of seeing, you know, patterns that I'm not looking at as much because, because I don't speak Japanese. Um, and she also does a lot of the kind of vintage style knits mixed in with some of the more modern things. And yeah, like I said, just a really great time. So highly recommend all three of those channels if you're looking for some really nice knitting content. Alrighty, uh, that's going to be it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening. I had a really good time recording it and I'm looking forward to hopefully getting back into a more consistent schedule with it now that things have settled down a little bit. So in any case, thank you very much for listening. I will talk to you soon. Have a good one.